Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Tickets on sale now. Come see me on tour. Oh, my God. I'm starting up again. September 11th, I will be in Brooklyn. September 13th, I will be in Boston. I will be in Del Mar, California. That's San Diego to you fools. At the Kabu Festival on September 15th. And then I will be in Toronto doing four shows, a panel on stand-up comedy, and a live podcast taping of this very podcast at the JFL 42 Festival in Toronto, September 19th through 22nd. Then I will be in London, six shows at the Soho Theatre, September 30th through the 5th of October. October 6th, one show in Manchester, England. October 8th, Amsterdam, my debut at Boom Chicago. And October 13th, I am in Oslo, Norway at Chat Noir. Please get all tickets at jenkirkman.com. They are all on sale right now. Then back to the States in November, I will be in Oklahoma City on no Friday, uh, sorry, Thursday, November 7th. And I will be in Milwaukee on Friday, November 8th. Tickets go on sale soon to see me in San Francisco on November 17th. Go to jenkirkman.com. You can join the newsletter right there, and you will be emailed the morning they go on sale. And you better do that because they're going to sell out, and you don't want to miss out. And then December, we are closing out the year. I will be in Richmond, Virginia on Friday, December 6th, and two shows in Durham, North Carolina, December 7th. And these shows are called Comedy with a Touch of Christmas. And then Friday, December 13th, it is the Jen Kirkman Dysfunctional Christmas Show at the Hollywood Improv. And one more thing, Los Angeles. I forgot to mention it, but it's really a big deal. Come see me September 26, 8 p.m. at the Dynasty Typewriter. I am doing a one hour of stand-up. It's only 10 bucks, no drink minimum. I really need asses and seats. We've got some important people coming to check me out. So go to JenKirkman.com, get those $10 tickets now, and I will see you on the other side of the theme song. Fondlessness, fondlessness, fondlessness. Having funlessness, having funlessness, having funlessness with Jen Kirkman. 
having funlessness with Jen Kirkman. This is my podcast. I am Jen Kirkman. This is episode 301. What's going on, folks? This is being recorded on Labor Day, and I am laboring here recording this podcast because it's really, it's really the only day I had free to do this. And, uh, well, not even, I don't even have today free, but I have a couple hours free. And uh, so what are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to give advice to a woman who's having some issues with her parents regarding politics. And I'd read her email weeks ago, and you listeners have waited. I'm going to talk about transitioning from summer into fall and some of the traditions that I don't know if people still do. And I'd hopefully you guys can email me because we can keep talking about it as, as we go through September. I might give my hot take on the Dave Chappelle special. I don't know yet. And an article I just found in Modern Man magazine about how to talk to a woman wearing headphones. For the love of God, is this where guys are learning this shit? That's what we have going on this week and probably so much more. As you know, this podcast is completely off the cuff. I make some notes about topics I want to say, but you basically heard every note that I have. So as I talk, things will come up. Anyways, we've got two great sponsors today. And by two... I mean one. <laughs> Why can't I get my shit together? I'm sorry to swear when I'm mentioning sponsors. But we have our great sponsor, Honey, this week. So let's do the show. All right. Where do we start? Do we start with emails? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that towards the end because I feel like I'm gonna do listener emails every episode from now on and I'm gonna read iTunes reviews. So I'll try to, I will put listener emails right after the break. Okay, great. So let's talk about fall. So it's not really fall here in Los Angeles because this is when our summer begins. It gets really hot in September and October. It's usually like 90 degrees, 100 degrees. Then you totally forget. And you're like, I'll totally go on a hike in Malibu in the hot sun in the desert for four hours where there's no way to, you know, get water. Uh, that happened to me once. Um, it was probably ten over ten years ago now. But I was in Malibu hiking, didn't have any water, or like ran out of water right away uh, because I drank it. And then I was like, I feel dizzy. And then I was like, it's 105 up, and I kept forgetting. Oh yeah, it's summer. So I went to Pier One to buy. Now normally I buy a little bit of a nicer candle because their scents are a little bit. You know, they give you that like air freshener, ugh, that kind of feeling. But there's one scent that's not too horrible, and I just bought it. Um, I'm not going to be home a lot between now and Christmas. And I was like, I don't want to buy some fancy schmance candle for my kitchen. I'm just going to get this nice sort of like citrusy smelling one. And then it'll transition me right into when it's time to start really doing the cinnamon and the Christmas. Can I tell you guys, by the way, that normally this time of year I'm getting ready for Christmas, and I don't know if it's because I'm working on this Hallmark thing, Um but I honestly think it's just because I'm never more miserable putting up Christmas decorations and I'm never more miserable taking them down. And I don't know if you guys knew that about me, that putting them up is a misery just because it's shit you have to do. And it begs, it calls into question, like, do I need this thing in my house? Do I need that? And it ends up being like some kind of cleaning project. But I think my home is pretty organized. I like the way it is. And I don't feel like, put, I don't know what it is. I don't feel like putting up Christmas stuff this year. And I'm not depressed and it's not an anti-Christmas thing. It's just a, it's like I'm kind of sick of living where I live, but I'm not going to move. And it's just going to have to be that like I keep saving to buy something 
And I guess I'm just like, I don't feel like it. Like, I don't feel like having Christmas in this place again. Like, it's something is going on where I'm just like, I'm not in the mood. I'm not in the mood to put up all the stuff. Because also, I'm not going to be here that much. So I'm, you know, I'll probably go see my family for a week in December. And then I start going on the road, like, the day after New Year's. Is anyone going to be at that fucking gig? I'm going to be in Sacramento doing five shows because I was like, look, I, if I don't sell a script this year, I'm fucked. <laughs> so this week is my big scary week where I'm pitching, 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 hoping to sell something so that I can get paid. And uh, so I told my booking agent, I'm like, just put me on the fucking road. The minute it hits the new year, I got to go out every weekend in case I don't make a significant amount of money this fourth quarter. So yeah, I've got a gig like uh, it's not announced yet. It'll go on sale, whatever. But like, who is going out January 2nd? Absolutely no. Nobody's going out that weekend. Nobody has any money left. But you know what? Maybe, who knows? I don't know. Maybe the state of the world is different. But I'm, I emailed my agent. I was like, what are the expectations? I mean, are they, are they putting me there because I'm kind of a name and I can maybe get 10% more people than just any person they put up that weekend? But, or do they have unrealistic expectations that I can sell it out or are they just like, who cares at this point? We'll take a dive, whatever it is. So I don't know. I'm just like not in the mood. I'm in the mood for Christmassy stuff, but I'm not in the mood for my place to be that way. Um, So I don't know what's going to happen. I usually know by now, like I usually start looking at things, saving stuff on Pinterest and Instagram. I just, I look at stuff. I've seen things cross my path and I'm like I don't feel like it so you know I don't know maybe it just feels like too much of a 24-7 thing maybe time has gone by too fast but I am going to be out of town pretty much until October 15th then I'm back and it's Halloween and it's like I don't know I don't know I don't know something is going on where I'm it's I, I love the holidays I'm just not in the mood for the decorating and maybe I'll change my mind I I'm what I'm wondering is am I just gonna not do it because there's a world where I just don't do it. Um, and I don't think it would feel weird. So I don't know. I'll keep you posted. But for right now, fall, we're here. And I was like, do I go and get, like, they've got new candles at, like, cranberry scent and cinnamon. And I'm like, it doesn't feel like that. Because, again, it's fucking summer here right now. And it's 100 degrees. It doesn't feel like it's time to smell cinnamon. So I didn't do it. But anyway, I bought my citrus candle. And the woman bagging it. <laughs> Why do I hate everybody? She's bagging it. She goes, now, don't put this in your car. I go, yeah, I got it. She goes, no, really? You, if you leave it in your car? I go, I know, it melts. It's 100 degrees. I'm not fucking stupid. She's like, then it will get everywhere. I'm like, I got it. It's not happening. So you have to keep describing it. Like, mind your business. What is this? I feel like it almost seems like I'm describing a a, a time from like the 30s where everyone, you know, I picture that's what the 30s were like. You had time to chat with people at the cash register. Everybody's up in each other's business. Oh, don't buy that lettuce, buy this kind. But I don't really think so. I think people, I I don't know. I don't know if more stupid people are out there. And so this woman is telling me not to put a candle in a hot car because she has spent so much of her life at Pier 1 going, well, sir, we really can't take responsibility for wax. Once you buy it and put it in the hot sun, I mean, you didn't think it was going to melt. We cannot refund you. And, and no, I cannot pay for you to get your car reupholstered, sir. 
I'm really sorry. I mean, maybe that's why she's doing it. But it feels like people are up in each other's business more and more. And again, I kept being told with the advent of technology that nobody would be talking to each other. And yet I find that people are still finding time to talk to each other, which is great on one level. But the other level is the talking that's going on is maddening. It's a lot of telling people what to do, which makes me insane. So I don't know. I have a feeling it, it, uh, I probably nailed it with there's more dumb people out and about. There's more litigious people. There's more complaining people. I'm going to yelp this. All right. I guess we have to reupholster his car because a $19 candle <sighs> melted all over his front seat. So, oh, happy birthday, Keanu Reeves. He's a Virgo, of course. I mean, of course. I didn't know that, but uh, I'm sure horrible people are Virgos, too. Uh, anyway, so what else? That was certainly not one of my more riveting stories. But, hey, I'm on fucking vacation, or I should be. So you're lucky you get anything. Oh, my God. So, but fall. I'm excited. I love I love on my birthday that everything is transitioning because that's how I always feel about my birthday. It's a transitional time of year. Obviously, to have a birthday is to transition into a new year. And so I feel like the world is supporting what I'm going through. And I'm not someone, again, probably because I live in L.A., who gets sad at the end of the summer because it's the end of the summer. I don't care. But I again, that's because that's look where I live. It's just becoming summer. I'm actually like, okay, ready for daylight. Like I noticed the other night that the sun set at 7.15 and I don't remember when, I, I go, when did it jump from 8.30 to 7.15? I don't seem to remember the gradual, the gradual, you know, change of that. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm getting ready for dark at five. Although I'm not, I don't know. I think it's very strange. I think I'm not into the Christmas thing because I'm not quite into the turning dark at five yet. I, I don't know. I'm all over the place. I can't decide what season I feel right in, but I do love fall and I do wish I was on the East Coast and I will be. I will be in Boston and New York next week. You guys, September 11th, doing a show at the Bell House in Brooklyn. We are like a hundred tickets away from selling out and I think we've got like 200 people coming so far. Just fucking get those tickets and just make it as packed as possible. Everyone's like, you should have another special. Well, I've got people coming from other platforms that could give me one. If you guys sell the show out and laugh real loud, it's going to really help. So all that's on jenkirkman.com right there on the homepage. And again, I'm at the Boston. At the Boston? I'm in Boston Friday, September 13th at the Wilbur Theater. Please, 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 we need more people to come. That, that second balcony is not sold out yet. Get your money, honey, and let's do it. So, And then, of course, I'm going to be in Toronto in September, um, and then, of course, going overseas to London, Manchester. Oh, my God, the other day on Twitter, do you ever come to London? When are you coming back? And I was like, I every day, every day I'm hustling, tweeting about it. So there are so many people that don't know I'm coming to any of these things. So, again, I beg of you, if you buy tickets, please post about it, even if it seems dorky and you know that you're not influencing anyone. It helps me. I can retweet it. Hashtag Jen Kirkman 2019. We'll get that going. Okay, anyway, so here's what's going on. I was thinking about something. Uh, when I was at a get-together the other night, and somebody's neighbor was using a leaf blower. And I remember thinking... It's so funny how L.A. is full of leaf blowers, 
and and people constantly taking care of their lawns. But I, we don't have that many leaves. I mean, we actually do have them in some neighborhoods, but for the most part, growing up in Massachusetts, your entire lawn was just covered in leaves and you had to rake them because then they get all decomposed and then it gets into the grass and then it, everything looks crappy. So raking leaves with there was no leaf blowing there was there was no machine that blew them around I mean I'm sure there was but I never really noticed anyone doing that and it seems like a really unproductive way to deal with leaves and so I remember raking leaves that was something you did for fun or just maybe you made it fun but it was a thing that you did so uh you know my parents weren't like that big on like oh you have to wash dishes or do chores not stuff like that but stuff like rake leaves I was always a part of and I remember when the fall came, the biggest, oh, my whole point about talking about the transition of summer is that I don't mind that the Halloween candy is already out at CVS. When people are like, God, they're pushing holidays sooner and sooner. It's like, I like it. It's these little signposts that go time to get in the mood and you don't have to buy all your candy now and get a Halloween costume, but I, it's anticipatory and I think that it's fun, whatever. So I just love when people expect capitalism to take it slow and to just put out all of their products the week before. That's not your your. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Um, so we used to rake leaves into a pile, and for fun, you would jump in a pile of leaves, and that's where that activity ended. Now, I'm not saying people don't do that anymore because there's computers and iPads and Netflix, but do people still do that? Does anyone here that listens, do you have kids? Are you raking leaves so that they can jump into a pile? Is that like, oh, we can't do that anymore because it's not environmentally friendly and, you know, the leaves might have, you know, my kid's allergic to gluten and so leaves actually have a touch of gluten in them and they're going to get itchy. Like, it, what's the new reason if there is one, why it's not good for kids to jump in leaves anymore. And so would you please email me, iseemfun at gmail.com. I want to know what's your relationship to leaves. So anyway, that's what we did in Massachusetts. We would get them into a big pile. I mean, that would take hours. I don't know if you guys have ever seen a rake before, but it to me is the most ineffective tool that you've ever seen. It's, it's like taking a comb, but the prongs or thongs or whatever the fuck they're called they're not even close enough together and you just and you drag it across the ground and the rake starts shaking and the prongs start bending and you just keep going over the same patch of land 50 times I feel like a shovel would be more expedient and you rake your leaves and you put them in a pile now I don't remember what we did with that pile after that if you just keep them in a pile or did we put them in trash bags and give them away? I don't remember what we did after the pile, but one of my favorite things to do was then jump in it. Now, and that was it. I think you jump in it once. Maybe you fluff up the pile and then jump in again. I, I honestly can't remember being, you know, I can't remember every moment of being young, but it, it doesn't make sense to me when I look back at who I am, I go, I really enjoy that. Because, you know, I wasn't big into spiders. I mean, I'm still not, but now it's like very specifically, I'm not into tarantulas, but, you know, I'm afraid of them. I know they're not poisonous. Who cares? They're so creepy. But like a little spider, I don't care about. Even a daddy long legs, I might be fine with. But um, 
not on me, but when you jump into a pile of leaves, most likely a spider somehow gets in your shirt or whatever. So, but that's what we used to do. And I'm not saying good, bad, and oh, you're all dumb for not doing that. But you would think even then we'd be like, really, we're still doing this? You know, like, but we did. And one of my favorite things to do was to make a scarecrow. And we would, t- and I even, I had a dream last night that I was back at my parents' house and that it was Halloween and they didn't have Halloween decorations. And I was trying to find things to put outside on the front porch to indicate to the trick-or-treaters that we were a Halloween celebrating house. And I think I just kept putting candles outside that with, with real flames and they kept blowing out. And I was like, why is no one coming here? So anyway, and then in my dream, oh, right, this is, this is, I don't know if I predicted something, but in my dream, a father was walking down the street. Can you believe I'm describing a dream on a podcast? Like, do you want to die? But check this part. It's interesting. A da- you know when you see someone using a cart, like if you live in a city and they've got their groceries in it or they've got their laundry in it and they're wheeling it to, you know, whatever, to the grocery store, they're wheeling their laundry to the laundromat. This father had a cart and it was completely decorated like a, um, you know, like a sack, but it had wheels and he was pushing it and it was flowing with candy. There was just candy. So it was like a thing, a, a Halloween bag on wheels. And I was like, wow, that's what people do nowadays. They take entire carts on wheels and that's how they carry their their loot around that they got. But I I think that was just in my dream, but I wonder if someone's ever done that. So clearly I'm nostalgic for East Coast, Halloween, whatever. But we used to take the leaves. I'd get old pants from my dad, flannel shirt that he doesn't want anymore. And you take rubber bands and you tie off, like you, you put them really tight around the wrist of the shirt and you put them around the ankles of the pants so that nothing falls out. And then you stuff the pants and shirt with leaves and you make a scarecrow. And I think for the head, we'd use like a plastic pumpkin and I'd put a hat on it and we would just put the scarecrow on the front porch and he would just sit there. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And so I'm, I'm hoping people still do stuff like that. I mean, in L.A., people really do it up on Halloween. It's sort of like a national, it's like a big holiday here. Um, but, you know, and again, because it's like we've got the entertainment industry and special effects. And there's people that hire people to do Halloween stuff to their homes the way that you would hire, you know, some people hire people to do Christmassy stuff to the outside of their house. So people people go nuts. Not everybody, but the people that do really go crazy. And there's cool neighborhoods where you could just park your car, walk around, and just look at the crazy Halloween decorations. But it seemed like a simple, a, just a simpler time where it took a whole afternoon to rake leaves. Then you jump in them and act like that was fun. It was always those kind of things. Like, I'm going to make all this effort for literally 30 seconds of fun. Like, I'm going to put on all my snow boots and put on my little snow outfit and I'm going to trudge up this hill with my little sled and then I'm going to slide down, which takes 10 seconds and then I'm done. And then you go inside. So I'm sort of missing things like that. I don't even know if I would have the patience to do that anymore. But if I had kids, see, this is why it's a good thing that I don't have kids. My kids would be so analog that they wouldn't even know that there were video games. They'd go to their friends' houses, like chewing on a, I don't know what, like a leaf of grass. And they would be like, hey, everybody, 
what's that? And they would see a screen and they would scream and be like, that's a devil's work. In my house, we just put leaves in. Oh, we do all kinds of things. We jump in them and then we put them in uh, clothing and put that on the front porch. And so everyone out there, that weird kid that doesn't seem like they're from the generation that your kids are in, that would be my kid. So you're welcome that I'm not making that kid walk around and be in the world. And I'm so glad that I just took a sip of coffee and spilled it all over myself. It's only when I'm wearing a white shirt that this happens. I don't spill any other time. Only when I'm wearing a white shirt. Anyway, everybody. So Labor Day weekend, once again, my worst nightmare. Any kind of three-day weekend where you're doing something and the people, you know, like I'm taking a Pilates class on a Friday. Work extra hard because we're all going to barbecue this weekend. No, we're not. Not everybody. Not me. Although I w- I'm lying. Like I did go to a little barbecue Saturday night, but I, I didn't know there was going to be stuff on the grill. I didn't go because of that. I just went to see my friends, like took a couple hour break from working. And uh, but just that whole we're all in, on the same schedule and do the same things. It makes me crazy. Like And just stop looking at working out as a reward for eating. It's like all these subtle messages that we subtly give ourselves and tell ourselves. It drives me crazy. I don't know what it is. I think it's just more basicosity that drives me crazy. Like, it just, uh, my head explodes thinking about it. When people are like, have a great long weekend. And I'm like, oh my God, I have so much work to do this weekend. I'm so stressed. Stop talking about a long weekend. To me, now, I'm not trying to be a contrarian. But to me, it's more fun to vacation when everyone else is working because you feel like you're getting away from it all. And then when everyone else is vacationing, that's when I like to be home and get caught up on stuff because I know they're not going to be bothering me or I can't go on a last minute meeting or audition or something. I, I live for working while other people are vacationing and vacationing while other people are working. To me, that's the point of what a vacation should feel like. If I know that the whole world has stopped as well as me, then I'm like, I don't know. This doesn't feel like I'm uh, getting away from anything. It it feels forced somehow. And then everybody's back on the same day with their frenetic energy. I don't know. And I, oh my God, you guys, the traffic on Tuesday morning. I mean, you've already experienced this by the time you hear this, but whew, every single person is back tomorrow. In Los Angeles, it is the worst traffic day of the year. Everyone's coming back to school. Ugh. Ugh. So anyway. But, you know, I just got a little, like, buzz of excitement thinking about, like, oh, it would be kind of cool when, like, it gets colder and the Christmas stuff is up. I think I'm just not there yet. And I think that's okay. I don't think we need to start thinking about Christmas in September. Maybe I was just going through a thing the last few years where it was like really hardcore for me, but I think I can relax around it a little bit. Maybe I needed it more. Maybe my depression is better. I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, I don't know if you guys hit all the Labor Day sales. I did a little bit of online shopping. I'm, I'm getting some, some clothes together for, you know, going on the road this month and uh, I need some travel clothes. So do you ever buy something online only to find out later that you missed a discount? Well, you cannot overspend anymore because of Honey. Honey, it's a free browser. It's just an add-on and it finds the best deals online. The app magically auto-applies the best deal to your cart at checkout. And I just had this happen to me with 
Amazon, and Sephora. Honey finds discounts and coupons across 3,700 sites. Now, if I had to, 37,000 sites, sorry, if I had to do this myself, I'm like not shop, I'm not clipping coupons and being like, oh, what about this and this? It has to be done automatically for me. And with Honey, I don't have to worry about missing a deal. I just shop like normal. Honey handles the rest. So, you know, I don't know. I can't, look, I don't have my receipt on me, but I saved, I saved quite a few bucks at Sephora on uh some masks and some travel size things. So Honey has already saved its 10 million members an average of $28.61 per person. Honey members have already saved more than $800 million. Not bad for something that's completely free. Takes two clicks to install. They've got over 100,000 five-star reviews on the Google Chrome store. Time Magazine calls Honey basically free money. And that's what I like about it. Is It's free in terms of time. You don't have to do any work. You just It's free, easy to install on your computer. Just two clicks. Shop with confidence. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash fun. That's it. Join Honey dot com slash fun. It's the smart shopping assistant that saves you time and money when you're shopping online. Here it is again. They find discounts across 37,000 sites with places like Amazon, Sephora, Best Buy, Nordstrom, and more. Joinhoney.com slash fun. Look, there's really no reason not to use it. It's free and easy to use. Install on your computer. That's it. Joinhoney.com slash fun fun. All right, everybody, everybody. So once again, get tickets to see me on the road. You heard all my tour dates at the top of the episode and uh, post about the tickets. Hashtag Jen Kirkman 2019. And yes, every show I will be selling and signing books after. In Europe, I am not bringing my books with me because it is too expensive. And uh, my uh, my square reader isn't set up to take credit cards in the UK, so it's just easier if I don't. But I will have download cards of my latest special, JKL, and that has bonus material. And if you have 10 bucks, whatever the whatever the 10 amount is in your country, pounds, schlunken donkens, like that's going to be in Oslo, Norway, whatever it is, I'll take it from you after the show. Um, and you can come and say hi to me and we'll take pictures together and you can tell everybody about the show. So, okay. Here is a little bit of listener emails. Listener emails. I'm listening and your email. I'm trying to come up with a theme song. How does that one sound to you guys? So this is for the young woman who said, I don't know if she's young. I don't even know if she's a woman. But I remember someone writing that their parents are being, I thought it was like slightly abusive sounding, TBH, to be honest. Again, if you are having any problems and you want me to talk about something specifically, send an email to iseemfun at gmail.com. You can go on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash havingfunlesspod and Twitter at funlessnesspod. I believe that is the Twitter address. I go through this every time because I keep being like, oh, I'm totally going to write it down for next time. And then I forget. But go to Twitter at uh, at funlessnesspod. Yes. Oh, my God. I actually remembered something. So here's what people are saying. Ah. Advice for the listener. This is a 46-year-old gay white dude. That's what he identified as earlier in the email, but I don't need to read all the stuff. 
I'm probably older than the listener, but I have the same type of situation. My parents and rest of the family are hardcore Republicans that first did not like Trump, but now they love him. They are not as obnoxious as the listener's parents, oh. but they do engorge themselves in Fox News and Rush Limbaugh. I agree with your assessment that there's some really emotionally abusive behavior going on. My advice would be to, A, reduce the amount of time and energy you give to them, get some space and distance from them as much as you can, and try to find more positive, loving, kind people, friends, other family members. You are not crazy for feeling a deep sense of hurt and betrayal. B, he advises, try listening to the Tara Brock podcast. B-R-A-C-H. I actually do listen to her podcast. I know he's not giving me this advice, but a friend of mine recently uh, turned me on to who she is. She's a Buddhist psychologist, and she provides such amazing internal resources for these hard times. She has helped me deal with and feel my anger, betrayal, and hurt, and has also provided wise counsel on how one can take care of oneself but also not return the hateful anger with more hate and more anger. One phrase she has used, and I'm paraphrasing, anger is intelligent and useful, but it is merely initiatory. Only love is truly transformative. I know this all may sound a bit woo-woo or high-minded or whatever, but her talks are truly down to earth. If you listen to Jen a lot, you know about how mindfulness and meditation practices can be helpful. So hopefully this advice will resonate with you. Thanks again, Jen. My husband and I will definitely come see you again next time you are in Portland or Seattle, if that's the nearest option. Thanks, Kevin. I hope to be back in the Pacific Northwest in 2020. Of course, I don't have totally all new material for you, so I don't know. I don't know. Gotta Give me a minute here. I'm starting to catch up with myself. Um, hey, Jen, this is from someone else. Um, her name is Claire. With regards to the person who wanted advice on the political differences with their parents, woof. I fully support your advice and applaud you for saying the difficult thing, especially about how the behavior was gaslighting and abusive. I saw a thing recently, and I'm sorry I can't quote or give credit because I don't remember where I saw it, but it said something like, since the world has made it impossible for young people to achieve traditional, quote, adult milestones, car, house, steady job, family, we've changed our definition of adult to emotional maturity. And the more we grow and learn, the more we realize our elders are not adults. Woo. She says this really resonated with me. She believes that this person's mom is being really harmful to her child. And furthermore, it's not the young person's job to restore this relationship. If they're doing that, it goes to show even more how much these parents have messed up and how much safer the listener will be without them. And obviously, I agree that's not an easy thing to hear, much less do. I do hope in the future it will be more commonplace for people to leave their families who hurt and betray them in such a way. Well, if I'm hoping things, I hope parents don't harm their children anymore so people won't have to detach. Hope you're having no fun, Claire. Um, well, this is all great advice. It's all different advice. I've got a really long email from a listener about how to detach. Um, his name is Chris, so... Blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? Uh, I heard the letter from a young listener who's having problems dealing with their Trumpster parents. Well, guess what? I'm going to be 50 next year, and I'm dealing with the same thing. I'm sure my situation is significantly different, especially since I live away from my parents, but I think the heart of our conflicts are pretty similar. I've recently reconciled with my father and my stepmother, who I was estranged from for a couple of decades. Child of divorce, messy legal situation, long story. During our estrangement, their child... My half-sibling reached out to me over email, and we began a friendly correspondence over social media and texting. Three years ago, my half-sibling passed away. I think largely out of grief, my father and stepmother reached out to me 
and asked if we could start fresh as a family. Having lost my mother a few years prior, this seemed like a good way to bring some family back into my world. I said, okay. This was a bumpy road because as soon as I started accepting their Facebook friend requests and saw what they posted on their walls, I realized their politics were somewhere to the right of Darth Vader. I reacted strongly to this in the beginning, and there were some very ugly, very public flame wars between my father and me on social media. I was shocked at how backwards his views were and are, but something in me ached when I saw all my friends piling on him and shaming him left and right. This guy has some ugly views, but he's still my father, you know? I made the decision that I wanted to have a relationship with my dad again, but I also decided that the relationship would have to be conditional, as in we don't discuss religion or politics. There are about a million other things we can talk about, from yard work, hey, leaves, to long-lost relatives, to music, to whatever, and I thought a relationship between family members could exist without needing to talk about subjects that would be sure to set us off. So after a few months of friendly Facebook messaging with my dad and my stepmom, they invited me to come visit them. And after a lot of introspection, I decided to take a risk and get on a plane and spend a weekend in their home located in the boonies of the Bible Belt. If things went south, I would have been stuck with no escape plan. I was honestly more than a little nervous, but I made the trip and I'm happy to say it was a pleasant weekend. If I was unnerved by anything, it was seeing how old and fragile they had become over the decades we'd been apart. These were ultimately harmless people who wanted to see their son again. This was the heart of the people I was visiting, more so than their political views. This was a huge belief. I think he meant relief. I visited them a couple of times since, and we've had delightful times together. But, and still, they remain very vocal about their views on social media, and there will always be a big part of me that finds their political opinions deeply problematic. I can't ignore this, but I can channel my concerns. First of all, while I have them friended on Facebook, I've unfollowed both of them. We can message each other. I can post happy birthday memes on their walls. They can choose to follow me and see my posts, which are 5% political and 95% pictures of cats and David Bowie, but I don't need to see the vitriolic stuff they post. It doesn't benefit me. It just makes me an unhappier person. So I keep that stuff off my wall, and I'm reminded that much less of the parts of them I can't accept. All of this is probably a really long way of saying boundaries are key. During my visits with my dad and my stepmom, they tried to dip a toe into political water. I never take the bait. Once, I even reminded them that I don't like to get into discussions about politics or religion. Religion? Religion. I try to phrase it as something I don't like to discuss rather than something they're not allowed to bring up. Ooh, that's a really good point. And they respect my wishes. We've actually had some talks about religion, and I think we've peacefully agreed to disagree on some subjects, but... I also think we found some common ground. They know that I respect their religion, and they also know that I am a spiritual person who decides my own faith, and we seem to be able to coexist with that. To go any deeper would be dangerous. There are a lot of ways families can enjoy each other without focusing on the ways they disagree. That's the direction I'm taking with my family. In so doing, I hope they can see that their gay and married, liberal-leaning, vegetarian son isn't the grotesque caricature that they see in all their right-wing Facebook memes. And I have some work to do, too. Why do my lower-middle-class elderly parents fervently support a president who clearly does not have their best interests at heart? Understanding is not compliance, and I want to understand. Reading books like Hillbilly Elegy and Strangers in Their Own Land have been helpful in giving me some context to the dark political moment we're in. And if they should one day get completely out of hand, I have the privilege of sending them to the timeout corner for a while. I'm not financially dependent on them. I'm grown, married, with a house and three cats. This guy has mentioned cats twice in this email, and I, I appreciate that. If anything, they're aging into a situation where they may need me sooner than later. This gives me a leverage I would not have if I were 17 years old and living at home. 
Uh, 17-year-old, though, will be an adult one day, and the young listener will eventually have the same privilege I have, and the parents should realize that. That's a vague threat there, people. I'm going to take care of your ass, so shut up about Trump. Lastly, try to set boundaries. Try not to take the bait. Try to be the grown-up when mom and dad start going into an Archie Bunker tirade. Your opinions and views are yours, and it's your choice to find the best ways to express them. Find a safe space to vent and to be the anti-Trumpiest, anti-Trumpster you can be. Meanwhile, give your parents neutrality. Let them know you aren't going to do this dance with them anymore. You won't change their minds, and they're not going to change your mind. I think people are more influenced by actions than words. If they see you living your best life and responding to them with patience and compassion, it's quite possible they'll lay off the Trump crap, at least when you're in the room. And that's a start. Good luck. That's a really thoughtful, really nice email. We've got one more advice for our listener who's having trouble with her parents um, who are obsessed with Trump and have been a little mean to her. So writing in regards to this week's podcast and the young listener who is seeking advice about the rift growing between her and her right-wing Fox News-obsessed parents. I come from a very very liberal-leaning family. However, my stepfather is not. He's a nice guy. But he's one of those Sean Hannity-loving conspiracy theory enthusiasts who pretty much thinks all Democrats are condescending elitists. He loves to try to spark political debates to the people who do not want to engage, mainly everyone in our family. My mom and stepdad even implemented a rule about two years ago to not talk politics at all with each other, but he just can't resist. Anyway, I digress. I could feel the listener's pain. Although my situation is nowhere near theirs because we just laugh, leave the room, or tell him to stop talking when he starts up, whereas hers seems to be causing some major stress. I suggest the listener watch the following documentary if they have not already called The Brainwashing of My Dad. I honestly just watched it, and it's enlightening. Oh, my God. Everybody always tells me about this documentary, and my argument is I've already seen my dad get brainwashed by Fox News. I don't need to watch a documentary about it, and he's never going to change. He's 81. I'm not taking Fox News off their TV. They will have a nervous breakdown. Like, it's not happening. But I appreciate I appreciate people that this documentary exists. I know you love a good spoiler, but essentially her liberal dad ended up taking a job that required a long commute to and from work, and he started to listen to conservative talk radio, which then evolved into Fox News when he got home, which then led to total indoctrination. But in a surprising twist by the end of the documentary, he became an Obama lover and LGBTQ rights proponent. After watching, maybe the listener could share it with her parents if she doesn't think it will set them off. I know I'll be texting my mom tonight. Hopefully she'll watch it soon. Yeah, it's not happening. Well, at least in my family. Anyway, big fan of the pod. Cannot wait for the Christmas show on December 13th. I'm bringing a balsam-scented Yankee candle for my table. Just saying. Pete. Thanks, Pete. Uh, Everybody, look, come to my Christmas show December 13th at the Hollywood Improv. It is not just stand-up. There's crazy sketches. There's monologues. There's stories. There's music. I throw candy. There's a set. It's for the unironic lover of Christmas, and it's even for people who hate Christmas because we do talk about dark things. It's it's the one place you can go where you can meet other like-minded people before you have to go spend time with your families or your friends or situations that bum you out during the holidays. It's one of the most uplifting shows. Every time I do it, I go, I should do this every week. Please get tickets. They're on sale now, and I will be donating a portion of the proceeds to L.A. Food Bank. And uh, there you go. So I don't know. Do I want to give my hot take on Dave Chappelle? I don't think that I do. Um, but I will just say this. Here's my take on that situation. And and it's it's a it's a longer, more thoughtful, more more nuanced thing that I that I may be going to get into right now. But there's this notion that people who don't like a certain thing a comedian says are offended. 
or they want to cancel them. And I do understand that we have a cancel culture. I don't think it's as rampant as people think. It seems a lot of people that have been canceled are getting second chances. It seems sometimes a little bit unfair that you go back through people's tweets and you go, well, I can't believe Kevin, uh, was it Kevin Hart, like, you know, made that joke about if his son were gay. And I get it. Like, there are many, there are many, uh, I don't know how to put it. I don't mean many sides to the argument, but there are many ways to handle that, right? He could have still hosted the Oscars, but he could have said, you know what, I'm going to, I, I don't know. I think the main, uh, you know, donate my time to helping LGBTQ kids. I think the main problem is, is that people, there's a, there's a type of person who can go to a comedy show and they may hate gay people and they may laugh at a joke that, seems homophobic or transphobic and they might just go home and do nothing about it but there's someone else who might get activated and they might harass other people online and the person who's you know a rich famous comedian who's not on social media they have no idea what they're instigating in a way if that makes sense they their followers feel emboldened to speak just like the comedian does but they're speaking to real people to their in quotes faces at their at handles Without the humor. And so to me, that's where, because I am a comedian, I do feel I can speak this way. I'm really concerned with accidentally riling people up on the bad side of things. Does that make sense? And I'm curious about where Dave Chappelle's, I don't see, I don't believe that he has blind spots because I think he's quite smart. And I I was his biggest fan. I mean, his stand-up, his older specials from years and years and years ago were just my favorite. And, and his, um, he did this episode 30 and 30 or no, it was called Iconoclast. It was him and Maya Angelou and they were talking and sharing ideas. And she was telling him her opinions about the N word. And he was telling her about like younger culture. It was really beautiful. And then his movie, Dave Chappelle's block party, which is what he did instead of going back to Comedy Central, and I really respected that he felt people, you know, in other words, he really understood this when he left his show, is that he felt he was giving white people license to be racist in a way. He felt, you know, what I appreciated about him um, and Chris Rock as well is you're letting us white people in on what you know the black experience the black conversation when we're not at the at the table and I try to do that with my comedy for men like I'm letting you into what women say when you're not there which you know can be hard but um unfortunately when you're doing that with white and black you know sometimes you do accidentally empower white people to be like see Chris Rock agrees with me I'm gonna say that you know like his 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 uh routine uh n-word versus black people like it's it's a brilliant act, but it's, you know, I can see where it emboldens some white people to be like, yeah. So I know that Chappelle is aware of that notion. And so I, I guess he's just making a conscious choice to not care that he may be emboldening sexist people when he does. He has two Netflix specials where he spends time in them defending Louis. I mean, it's not a personal thing for me. It's like as a comedian 
to repeat material on Netflix is insane. Like you cannot, you know, someone at my level that has to watch every little thing they do so that they don't piss off the powers that be or do it wrong. Like you can't imagine doing a 10 minute chunk on the same exact thing in a different special. And I feel like it's like, it's suddenly he's really genius when he's talking about certain things. I loved his stuff about, you know, guns and then talking about women. It's like, or gays. It's like, I feel like, but, but what about black women? What about black gay people? I feel like he's forgetting the experience that, that yes, of course he, he wants to bring things back to, um, you know, Hey, look, I, I, I'm a black man. So I'm, you know, part of a minority group, but it's like, but you're forgetting, like you're kind of shitting on women and you're kind of shitting on the gay experience. I mean, he's not shitting on them, but he's making jokes about them when you put it that way. But I'm not saying these people are offended and that's hardly ever the problem is whoever is arguing for him is arguing a, a thing that people who don't like what he's saying aren't even saying. We're not saying, I don't like the jokes. or It's like, oh God, in this culture, like as much as there's cancel culture, there's also the culture of your rabid fans kind of going off on other people. We've seen this with like the Bernie bros. We've seen this, you know, I've experienced it coming from Louis fans, from Bernie people. It's like, it's just relentless. And you're, I just don't understand why it means so much to him. And I, and I feel like it reminds me of Ricky Gervais where like his special was all about what people are saying on Twitter. And there's this whole notion at the end of the day of, I can't say anything anymore, but you are on a platform saying it and getting paid tens of millions of dollars to say it. And that in and of itself means that you can say it. You are getting backlash, but nothing is happening to you except maybe you're being driven slowly insane. And that's why everybody has become Lenny Bruce with his court transcripts where it's like, guys, would you stop talking about, first of all, none of them have been arrested. So it is different than Lenny Bruce. But the, um, it's like, to me, what's more snowflakey, getting offended at jokes or going and doing an entire special about some people are getting offended. So I'm doubling down and like this shit's hard. It's hard to be a celebrity. I'm like, oh, my God, he seems I, I don't know. He just doesn't seem himself. And maybe he's going through something, but I'm just I'm not into it. And I'm not trying to be politically correct. I'm not saying what he should do instead. I just don't believe him. There's some disconnect there where he's doubling down on this for some reason. There's some, I don't know if when you have a lot of power and fame and success that you dig into whatever victimhood you can. I don't know. Like, I literally don't know. Um, I'm very confused by it. And this goes for Ricky Gervais, too. And any guy whose whole act is, I can't say anything anymore when literally you're being paid to say whatever you want. Like, it just doesn't make sense. And as a woman comic who, you know, again, I never was told I couldn't say anything. I was never arrested. But, well, actually, I was told I couldn't say very, a lot of things. I was told, you know, like, don't do, you know, you're going to audition for Letterman. Don't do material about divorce. That's depressing. And it's like, but men have done that. You know, I've I've played by a different set of rules the whole time I've been in comedy. And there's always been a temptation to talk about it on stage and to go bitter. But I haven't because I won't get anywhere. And I'm still struggling to become a really well-known comedian. And so it's just funny to me that these guys who have it all feel like they're victims when it's like, you know, I'm part of a system that didn't even recognize that my entire gender was funny and it was treated as a fact that we're not and that if we are, we're exceptions. And if you think that world for me, um, 
doesn't equal I actually can't say things because I won't get jobs or, you know, like you're out of your minds. And so it it's just a very personal thing as a comedian. It's hard not to have a hot take on his special and not bring it back to yourself and be like, well, this is how I've struggled in this comedy world. But at the end of the day, just as a as a fan of his, I didn't find that I saw any joy in his heart doing this stuff. I didn't find it interesting and I didn't find it funny because I didn't understand where the joke was. And I don't also like the putting the mic on the ground and laughing at himself. Like he's a completely different style than years ago um, on Killing Them Softly. And and listen, he has every right to change and progress. But it's like, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of like, it's like buying a... I don't know, like going to see a movie franchise. Like I'm just kind of not into it anymore, you know, but I'm not offended or a snowflake or anything like that. I don't want them canceled, but I just punched my microphone by accident. But, you know, it's it's just, it's not for me. And I think that that's also okay to say, if that makes sense. I think that that we need to have nuanced conversations. It's like, I think he knows better. I don't know why he's choosing this. Well, it's not for, this. that material is quite literally not for me. So I'm like, great, I'm not a fan. Um, but I do find it, I am, I am like seeing, I don't know. I think men are having a, some kind of breakdown. (laughs) I don't know. That's, that's what I think. Um, if you give this podcast a review, if you write a review on iTunes and give it five stars, I mean, look, you can give it one star and be like, she is a misandrist. She, and you know, somebody's going to completely misunderstand everything I said about this podcast because that's just the nature of, of the internet. Um, and they're going to write a horrible review. So if you want to counteract that, um, you can go to iTunes and give this podcast five stars and, uh, and leave a good review. And I will read a recent one. Um, let's see what people are saying. Let's see what people are saying here. I'm trying to get to the reviews. If you can't tell of my weird vamping, uh, Okay, I have found a review from So Crush Me Baby. Realist of the real, five stars. Thank you. Love this woman. Raw, alive, open book. We all need help processing the complexities of life and Twitter. And Jen is that for me. I love hearing her ups and downs, her funny observations about the world. A great listen. Uh, Julianne Stone writes, Oh, Jen, I adore you as a 50-year-old mother. I could not agree with you more about Disney visitors. Feel really sorry for everyone who thinks joy and happiness is only available to certain age groups or certain family dynamics. Mickey Mouse welcomes everyone. Oh, great. Great. Thank you, guys. Not Funlessness by Lady Sven. This podcast is so much fun to listen to. Jen is so natural and real. She just speaks about anything she has going on in her head. She used to do the podcast while emptying her dishwasher or even answering her door. Her long pauses now make me laugh. At first, I wondered why my iPad had stopped, and suddenly she starts to speak again. This podcast is definitely a favorite of mine. This is the first review I've ever written. It's that good. Thank you all. Listen, I have 1,887 reviews. What if I got to 2,000 by 2020? That would be fun. So get up on there. Come see me on tour. All tickets on sale, jenkirkman.com. Again, buy all my merchandise. You can get a Girls Will Be Girls t-shirt or even pillow or having funlessness t-shirt. Or you can get one that says, I meditated today, motherfucker. The dirty version and the clean version. Just go to jenkirkman.com and click shop. And until next week, have fun. <laughs>